It is a new day, and the glory of the Lord is upon you. I am blessed to fellowship with you as we spend the next few moments hearing the word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This is your moment to receive life and bring in the message of life is our friend and our teacher, Pastor Josh. This morning, by the grace of God, I would like for us to continue in the series we've been on for a while. And the more we teach on this series, the bigger it becomes. And we'll be teaching on divine health. Divine health. We know that from the beginning, it was not so. If you go back to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, you see Genesis chapter 1 and verse 30, and you say that and God was saying that in the beginning, it was not so. Everything that God created was good, was beautiful. But then sin found its way in. And with sin came in condemnation, uh, sickness, and diseases. With sin came in poverty. But then Jesus came. He said, I have come that you might have life and have life in abundance. So what the first Adam could not guarantee, what he could not do, the second Adam came to get right. It is my prayer for somebody here today that everything that rightfully belongs to you shall be delivered unto you in the name of Jesus. Please understand that we take time to teach on these things because the Bible says that the word of God is seed. The word is the seed. So, any manifestations of the spirit you want to see or you want to experience in your life, the seed has to be planted in you first. It's like a farmer who wants to harvest from his farm or from her farm and she has not planted the necessary seed yet. You can't harvest. For a farmer to harvest, he must plant the seed first. The word is the seed. If we want prosperity, the seed of prosperity must first be planted. Not only planted, but properly nurtured. Properly catered for. Hallelujah. Removing all the weeds around it. So that the weeds can grow and grow and grow and produce. And it says some produced 30-fold. Some produced 60-fold. And yet, all that's produced a hundredfold. There is a reason why they produce differently. This is why we teach to put the seed, the word of God, inside of us. I pray for you today that the word of God shall be profitable to you. Yeah. It is the light and the knowledge that you have that determines what you command in life. There is a reason why doctors are paid the way they are paid. There is a reason why lawyers are paid the way they are paid. There is a reason why pilots are paid the way they are paid. It is a function of what they know and what they do with what they know. Light equals impact. Light is equals to results. If you want results in any area, then get enough light. Get knowledge. Get understanding in all your pursuits. Get understanding. For understanding is priceless. It's priceless. Knowledge is power. Hallelujah. 
Knowledge is power. And the Bible says that the whole world came. The rich, the mighty, the powerful, the famous. They came from the north, the south, the west, and the east. And they sought out Solomon. Why? To hear and to receive the wisdom that was at work in him. He was so blessed with wisdom and knowledge that in his days, riches and prosperity was nothing. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that they took silvers. There were heaps of silver out there that they didn't know what to do with it. Somebody shout glory. So light is important. Knowledge of these things are very, very important. And this is why you see Jesus' ministry constituted of four main things. Number one, he taught. No, he preached. He taught. He healed the sick. And he rebuked demons. That means he was into the deliverance ministry. Teaching was a very strategic, a very cardinal aspect of Jesus' ministry. And this is why we are doing what we are doing. Taking the time to teach you on divine health and divine healing. I pray that your word, your word that will set you free from every entanglement, your word that will bring light into every situation in your life, your word that will set to you for life, will locate you this morning in the name of Jesus. Please understand that when sickness enters a body, when sickness enters somebody's body, it takes on a life of its own. And there are organisms that fuels sicknesses in our bodies. There are bacterias that fuels sicknesses in our bodies. When you want to attack sickness, one of the rules is that the first thing you do is that you place a curse on that sickness. That means you are taking the life out of the bacterias responsible for it. You are taking the life out of the viruses responsible for it. Once sickness enters a body, it takes on its own life and there are bacterias fueling, energizing, empowering, sustaining, elongating. Come on. I thought somebody said, praise the Lord. There is a civil war that begins in that body. There is this constant war between the life of God in the man or woman and between the life of Satan because sickness represents the life of Satan. Now, the question is, you begin to ask yourself, why should there be a contest between the life of God in a man and the life of Satan that was injected? Oh yeah, look at scriptures all over the scriptures. If you go to the Mount Carmel, you see it there. Elijah against the 40 prophets of Baal. If you go to the Red Sea, you will see Moses, you know, with the Red Sea. And if you go to the palace of Pharaoh, you will see Moses and the magicians. It is that same contest. If you read the story further and you see the story of David and Goliath, it was that same contest. Glory be to Jesus. So that every time sickness enters your body, that is the contest that is going on. The contest between the life of God and the life of Satan. And now, the thing is, this is what settles it, one way or the other. Any of the lives that you empower will give you the victory. We have the victory. So, if you empower the life of Satan through fears, doubts, guilts, 
condemnation, laziness, wrong talking. You know some people, when they open their mouth, it's almost like poison comes out of their mouth. Small thing is wrong with it. I'm about to die. I'm about to die. This is going to kill me. This is going to die. I'm about to die. I'm about to... What is killing you? This is just a small thing. And their confessions. And they start talking all the wrong. Oh my God. Oh my God. He killed my mother. He killed my father. He killed my grandmother. Oh my God. I, according to the doctors. And they go on the spill. He killed your grandfather. He doesn't have to kill you. He killed your grandmother. He doesn't have to kill you. It's supposed to be a generational cause. It's supposed to stop in your life. Somebody say fire. fire. So the life that you empower, if you empower the satanic life through these mediums I've just alluded to, it strengthens the life of Satan. The sickness becomes emboldened. The sickness becomes stronger. But if you will empower the life of God in you through faith, somebody say true faith. Somebody say true faith. Through the word of God, true faith, true boldness. Yes, you may have missed it. Yes, you may have walked the wrong way, but you have confessed your sin. And now you have boldness to come before the throne of Jehovah God. Those things. Strengthen the life of God in you. As you worship him, the life of God in you is strengthened. As you praise him, the life of God in you is strengthened. As you eat the word of God, read the word of God, you hide the word of God in your spirit. The word of God. Oh, Rabbi Shatta. He said, my son, give attention, give due diligence to my words for their medicine unto your flesh. These things strengthen the life of God in you. And when the life of God in you is strengthened, it kicks out the life of Satan represented by sickness and disease. I see that being your portion in the name of Jesus. And not forget this, as believers, the principal agent that ministers divine healings to us is the person of the Holy Ghost. The person of the Holy Ghost, if you look at it, Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. Romans 8, 11, he said, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. As long as you have Jesus, you have the spirit of God in you, it is that spirit of God in you that administers health into you. You must know how to talk to the Holy Spirit. You must know how to walk with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not wind. The Holy Spirit is not fire. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. The Holy Spirit is a person. A person with feelings. A person that can talk. A person that can listen. A person that can converse with you. A person that can love on you. A person that can encourage you generate energy in your body. Nobody can love you like the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout Holy Ghost! And this is the beauty of it. While Jesus was here, hallelujah, Jesus could only be in one place at one time. Jesus could not be in Oklahoma City and be in Alaska and be in Alabama and be in Gongola 
and be in South Africa and be in New Delhi and be in Puerto Rico at the same time. Jesus was restricted to time and space. He could only be in one place and at one time. And that is why Jesus said, it is expedient for me to go. But that when I go, I will send you an advocate, a comforter, somebody who is better than me. So in other words, the Holy Ghost is Jesus unlimited. The Holy Ghost was Jesus, but he did more than Jesus did. He reached Father. He touched more people at the same time. Somebody say Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So therefore, the Holy Ghost being a person and being who he is, right now, he can touch brother A, brother B, brother C, and touch sister E, sister F, all at the same time. He walks with the winds. He's not limited. He's not restricted. But you have to know that he's a person. And as a person, you have to understand that heaven released him to be your helper. Somebody say, Holy Ghost, my helper. Say good morning, Holy Ghost. You must greet the Holy Ghost. You must talk to the Holy Ghost. You must worship him. You must be sensitive. There are things you don't say around the Holy Ghost. He grieves him. Hallelujah. When you are hurting so badly, instead of getting on the phone to talk to your bae, to talk to your BFF, come on. Talk to the Holy Ghost. Talk to the Holy Ghost. Somebody has treated you badly. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm hurting right now. Holy Ghost, I need your comfort. I need your ministry. Hallelujah. The principal agent that ministers health and healing to us is the person of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the miracle worker. So the Holy Ghost is the enforcement arm of heaven. Papa God sits in heaven and says what he wants to see happen and the Holy Ghost swings into action. It is the Holy Ghost that is the executor. Jesus is seated in heaven at the right hand of Papa God. He's done with his assignment. It, this is the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost that goes from man to man, from woman to woman, healing them. Laying hands upon them, conversing with them, speaking into their hearts, changing their blood, strengthening their bones, giving them new eyes, new visions, opening their ears, causing the lame to walk. Rabba satire. Somebody say, Holy Ghost, I love you. You must know how to walk with the person of the Holy Ghost because it's the enforcement arm of heaven. So every time I say, Jesus, heal me. Jesus looks down on the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost swings into action. You know, the Holy Ghost is such a gentleman. Powerful. Yet very gentle. The Holy Ghost only goes to places where he is welcome. The Holy Ghost never forces his way into anybody's life. The Holy Ghost can only do what you allow him to do 
in your life. He is a gentleman. If you lock him out in a particular room, he doesn't go there. If you block him out of a particular area of your life, the Holy Ghost does not function there. He's such a sweet and nice guy, all powerful. He created the universe. I want to believe that as from today, you allow that Holy Spirit, that Holy Ghost, that rose up Jesus from the grave. You know, Jesus is the only person. Every other person, they were brought back to life. God used somebody to bring them back to life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. When somebody dies, a man of God goes and he prays and the person comes back, he sneezes and he comes back. And it's still happening now. But Jesus was the first person who died and everybody forsook him. Everybody ran away. But he took that close confidence, that close friend to sneak in to that dark grave. And give him the case of life. And Jesus jacked back to life. And that's what that scripture is saying in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. That if that same spirit that brought life back to Jesus is on you. The Bible says, no, no you know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now the good thing is that the Holy Ghost is right there with you. But he's a gentleman. He's a silent man. He never talks to you unless you talk to him. Do you know that even sometimes before you gave your life to Christ, it was the Holy Spirit that was following you. Holy Spirit that was following you. When you went to that clubhouse, the Holy Spirit was there, nudging you in the spirit. You should not have done that. You should not have gone into this place. You should not have done this. You should not have talked to her like that. Don't do this. This is not good for you. It was that silent voice on your inside. Checking you. And then one day you heard the gospel being preached. There was nothing spectacular. There was no Benihim. There was no Reham Bonki. But somebody took the Bible and just talked for two, three minutes. And there was conviction in your heart. And when they called, is there anybody here who want to give their life to Christ? And before you knew what was happening, before you could think, you raised up your hands and you accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. It was the Holy Ghost that was convicting you. It was the Holy Ghost that was nudging you. It was the Holy Ghost that was pushing you. Hallelujah. Have you ever been so angry? Have you ever been so angry, so upset that you felt like killing somebody one time? Somebody pressed your button and you were so upset. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And then five minutes after, five minutes after, the anger has gone. You are no longer angry again. What do you think happened there? The Holy Ghost stepped in and comforted you and took the pain away from your heart. Somebody broke your heart after you've done everything you know how to do and you felt you are going to die and the Holy Ghost steps in and says, listen, there's a better approach. That is the person of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, Holy Ghost. I love you, Holy Ghost. I love you, Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is the principal instrument. The Holy Ghost is the one that administers our divine healing to us. I pray that for somebody here who have never had that encounter with the Holy Ghost, you would have that encounter tonight in the name of Jesus. Very briefly, I want us to talk about the methods of healing. The method of healing. What's the method? The method is how things are done. Simple. The method is how things are done. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There is a way and there is a how. Things are supposed to be done. I want to give us about seven ways. Seven ways that we can receive 
methods of healings. Seven ways. Number one, you find that in John chapter 14, verse number 13 to 14. You can receive healing. One method is via the use of the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, anything, including healing, anything, including financial breakthrough, anything, including deliverance from addiction, anything, including freedom from affliction, from persecution, anything, anything, including being heartbroken, heartbrokenness, anything. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I will do it. How do we apply this? For example, you see a pain, a pain from the pit of hell in your body. You can use this authority in the name of Jesus and command that pain to leave and the pain leaves. The devil does not have authority over your body. You have authority over your body. You are responsible for your body. Even Jesus cannot do anything in your body if you don't give him the permission to do so. The Holy Ghost cannot move into your body except you give him. You are in charge. You are the CEO. You control your brand. Do you know you have a brand? I said you have a brand. That's why you can't be walking in the streets and eating in the streets. It's very destructive to your brand. There are ways you don't talk. There are things that should not come out of your mouth. They are very destructive to your brand. In fact, you are a mobile company working and you are the CEO of that company. You can have one man today who is poor, living in a car, and five years down the line, is a founder of companies. Where was the company all the why? No, no, where were the... Okay, maybe he's a school proprietor. Where was the school all the why? Or maybe he's a pastor of a mega church. Where was the church all the why? It was on his inside. It was on our inside. He was going about with the schools and the businesses on his inside. There is a lot going on on your inside. You are in charge of your body. You talk to it. Scream if you have to scream. Yell if you have to yell. It's your body. You are in charge. And do so using the name of Jesus. And of course, Philippians chapter... 2 and verse 10 says, at the mention of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, what will happen? Every knee shall bow. Every knee of sickness shall bow. In the name of Jesus. So the second method of healing is through the laying of hands. Through the laying of hands. You find the authority for that in Mark chapter 16. Mark 16 and verse number 18. You take it from verse number 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. 
and they will recover. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Don't forget what I told you. That divine health and healing is not only a privilege that we enjoy. It is also our responsibility to be able to give it out to others. So it's twofold. It's two ways. So you receive, you enjoy it, but you are also in a position to give it out to other people. So through the laying hands, and when you lay hands, what happens? When you lay hands, God seizes that your hand and the life of God in you, not your personal life. There's a life of God in you. When you receive Jesus, which is the biggest breakthrough, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's a new life that is imparted into your spirit. And that is why the scripture says, for all things have become... So you have a new spirit on your inside. Your hands is still the same. Your eyes are still the same. Your legs are still the same. Your stomach is still the same. But there is a transformation that happens inside your spirit. So when you lay hands, God seizes that your hand and takes a deposit of his life in your spirit and passes on to the other person. That is why, you see, most people, they don't want to pray for the sick. Most pastors, oh my God, laying hands is one of the hardest jobs you can do. You are here, you are doing it, no problem. There is a supernatural surcharge. Your body is charged. Your body is electrified with the fire of heaven. You lay hands on people, you are strong and everything. But by the time you get home, that afternoon, that evening, even the next morning, you are not yourself. It's like you went to the farm. Because things left your body. Virtue. And Jesus said, concerning the woman with the issue of blood, he said, somebody, who touched me? Because he felt something left his body. And the woman felt something entered into her. She shook. You have the life of God in you. So when you lay hands, it's from that life you release to other people. And as you give them, God returns it back to you in multiples. And of course, there's what they call the law of contact. Anything you want to transmit, in most cases, one of the easiest way is through the law of contact. Through the law of contact. You don't go and touch a man of God. A man of God is shaking you. A man of God comes on to shake you and, and you are making it a, a social event. You don't know what you're doing. Even people on the evil side, when they want to drop something in you, in most cases, they just touch you. And something has been released. So every opportunity to touch or to shake the hands of the man of God, do it with the revelation that you are about to receive something, that something good is about being transmitted. And then number three, you can also receive anointing via the anointing oil. Look at James chapter 5 and verse 14. James chapter 5 and verse 14. Look at it. I know you know the scripture, but uh, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Anointing him or her with oil in the name of the Lord. So prayers are offered and you are anointed and you believe. Your faith kicks in. Of course, your faith must be in these things and you receive your healing. And of course, Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27 says that the yoke shall be what? Destroyed by the reason of what? Of the anointing. So it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. 
It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. That's number three, right? Number four, what other method of healings do we have? You find that in John chapter 16. John 16, verse 23 to 24. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Ask in prayer. Ask in prayer. Maybe your faith has not developed, and that's okay. While you are still taking your medication, also engage the instrument of prayer. Pray. God still answers prayers. He's still in the business of answering prayers. Commit it to the hands of God in prayers. Don't be looking at it. If I was so pain one day and I came to the conclusion that if only we will have 20% of confidence in the word of God, like we have in the word of the doctor, nobody will be sick in the church. Because once the doctor says something, we take it, oh, my doctor said, 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 my doctor said. But when the word of God says something, it's a problem. If we can have only 20% confidence in the word of God, like we have in the doctor's word, we shall not have any sickness in the church. Ask for your healing in prayer. Lord, take this sickness away. I know you have paid the price. Deliver me, Lord. Hallelujah. Number five. You find that in Matthew chapter 18, from verse 18 to 20. You know the scripture again. Matthew 18, from verse 18 to 20. As surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. If two shall agree, if the husband and the wife shall agree concerning that situation, if two shall agree, if you can have believe with somebody, let me say this, you can't believe with somebody that you drink alcohol with, right? If two or more, if two people can agree. Now, there are two principles in that text. Number one is a bind and lose. You can bind the spirit of infirmity. You can bind the spirit of sickness. Don't forget how it started. Now, behind every sickness or disease, there's a bacteria that is foiling it. There is a germ. There is a virus that is at work behind the scenes. You know, energizing, enabling. Those are the things you bind. You bind them. And then you release the life of God. You command the healing. You will hear sometimes when we have healing service, and I begin to command after cursing and breaking and doing this and do that. One of the final things I do is I command the healing of God upon you. I command, I command. So you can lose heaven. Because the Bible says, whatever you lose here on earth shall be lost in heaven. So you can lose heaven over you. You can act that the heavens will be open over you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can ask the angels to come and service your body. The angels can service your body. The Bible says, and Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, and he was so tired. He was so tired to the point of discouragement 
that he was saying, Jesus, this cup is too much for me. Come and take it away. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. And the Bible says, if you read that text, immediately an angel came and strengthened him. And the Bible says that the angels, they excel in strength. Angels excel in strength. So you can give angels, you can commission your angels to service your body. You talk to the angels. Angels are ministry spirits. They minister to the trees of righteousness. You tell them to service your body. Hallelujah. They can drain out the bad blood. They can drain out the polluted blood and inject you and infuse you with new blood, covenant blood. Hallelujah. Whatever you bind here, so you must bind the spirit of sickness or whatever disease or whatever bacteria that is responding, you can bind them and lose him because the Bible says whatever you lose here is losing in heaven. These are resources that is available to you as a believer. And then he now comes down to the last verse say, what if two or more shall agree concerning anything? And the Bible says that one shall chase what? A thousand. And two shall chase what? Ten thousand. Have you not been celebrating that sickness too much? Look for a brother, look for a sister who can believe. This is where you see, you go home again. I want to challenge you. Go home and look at your friend's circle. Go and look at your friend's circle. If you are in a mess and the zero hour comes to everybody, everybody will experience zero hour that your prayer can't help. You can't even pray for yourself. Zero hour. When the zero hour comes, do you have the friends, support system, who can spiritually like those crazy friends, those four crazy friends in Mark chapter 2 from verse number 1 to verse number 11 and number 12, four crazy friends who decided to take it upon themselves to break all protocols to make sure that their brother receive what belongs to them. The prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement. Even Jesus he was going to garden of Gethsemane. He didn't go alone. He took three people. He said, come. He said, come. Come and pray with me. He took John. He took Peter. And he told you, come and pray with Jesus, the son of God. He needed people to pray with him. You need a prayer partner. Now, let me warn you. Ladies should not have male prayer partners. It's funny. But it's not funny. Because the person you pray with together Prayer is more intimate than sex. I don't know how else to say it. Let me just say it the way it is. It's more intimate than physical intimacy. Sister, look for a sister to pray with. Brother! Don't be that brother who will come to church and look for the most pretty person to pray with. Say, you come and pray with me. No, don't do that. It's very dangerous. That's number five. Number six, the method of the use of materials. You know, materials, like clothes, you see that in Acts chapter 19 and verse 11. Acts 19 verse 11. You know that concerning Paul. Acts 19 and verse number 11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them. And the evil spirits went out of them. Handkerchiefs and aprons. And I have seen where people took pictures, photographs. They took somebody's photographs to a healing service or to an anointing service or to a breakthrough service. And they were lifting it up 
And wherever that person was, the person was getting breakthrough. In fact, some churches, they pray on teddy bears. So you can take to children in faraway places. As the children are hugging those teddy bears and playing with it, the anointing is being transferred to them. It's very important. These are some of the things. Because the anointing is transferable. Finally, number seven. Through the declaration of the word, the word of command. There are times you don't pray. There is a level you pray to. You stop praying and you start issuing command. You start issuing command. Go! And ask them for that job again. Go! Ask them for that contract. Now! Go back to the hospital and do another test. It is reversed. That report is reversed. You command. You command. Based on the faith that is at work in you. In most cases. Look at the authority for that in Matthew chapter 8. And specifically verse number 8. Matthew 8, 8. So the centurion answered. You know who the centurion was? He had a faithful servant. He had a profitable servant. And the servant was sick. And the centurion left everything he was doing. To go and seek for the health and the welfare of his servant. Indeed, he was a very profitable servant. If a centurion who is not a believer can do that, how much more Jesus Christ that we serve? He will jump over any hill, any mountain to bring healing to us. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servants will be healed. Only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Verse 9. For I also, this is the centurion speaking now, for I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to those who followed, as surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Verse 11. And I said to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's not your portion in Jesus' name. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. And as you have believed, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And see here what the Bible says. And his servant was healed that same hour. And his servant was healed. A word of command. This is the kind of things you used to raise the dead. When I say raise the dead, I'm not saying somebody who is old, you go and raise him. Don't come and call me in my house tomorrow. If I some have they don't want to come back. Okay, somebody has died. Listen. Somebody has died. They don't have faith anymore. So how can you bring such a person back to life? He can't say, oh, I believe. Help my own belief. He can't say that anymore. He can't say according to John chapter 5 and 17. He can't say he's dead. Almost all the accounts is as if high-level energy being sucked in into the body again. That person's faith was not at work. It was a command, a decree. It, it helps if you know the name of the person. But in that kind of instance, you know the name of the child, you can summon the spirit 
from the north, the south, the west, the east. With full faith and with violence in your voice and command that spirit someone from wherever it is back into the body. Now, in Jesus' name. And you see results. Yes and amen. Indeed, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. I believe that you have been truly blessed to receive more copies of this message and other messages by Pastor Josh. Please call 405-418-6222 or visit us online at www.okcmc.tv. If you are within the area, come worship with us at the Miracle Center 6051 North Brookline Avenue, Suite 133, Oklahoma City. Stay blessed and stay connected.